Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me here on this Thursday, September 24th edition of ATS.io Radio. I am your host, Adam Burke. I'll be joined today by professional better and handicapper Brad Powers from bradpowersports.com. We'll talk about different games and some highlight topics for week four of the college football season and do the same for week three of the NFL season. Lots of content available to you over at ATS.io right now. We're covering the top sportsbook promotions from around the industry, and there are a lot of very, very good ones here for this weekend for you to check out. Talking about um, Michigan, looking to go online here sometime before the end of 2020. Tennessee, looking to do the same. we got stuff up about that over at ATS.io as well. To go along with a bevy of picks, previews, and predictions for all the different stuff that's going on, whether it's college football or the NFL, Bunch of daily MLB stuff, NBA, we're in the conference finals, NHL in the Stanley Cup finals, and we cover golf, UFC, all sorts of different things over at the website. So I encourage you to head on over there and check it out. Also check out our ATS YouTube page where we get some highlight clips from the ATS.io radio show and also get some stuff from Brian Blessing, who joins us every Tuesday here on the podcast. And make sure you subscribe to ATS Radio. You can do that on Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, wherever you download and listen to your podcast content. With that, we bring on Brad Powers, professional handicapper and better from bradpowersports.com. And Brad, how's it going today, man? It's going well. How are you doing? I'm doing well, buddy. Appreciate your time, as always, here on this Thursday. And, uh... I guess CLV this year for you stands for COVID line value because you just keep having a bunch of great bets taken off the board with cancellations. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, my favorite bet of the entire year so far was taken off this week. Uh, Just a mistake by Circa. uh, And they posted a North Texas Houston total of 57. I mean, I I had to, you know, double take. Uh, Was that Houston's team total or the overall total for the whole game? So, uh, that that one where I was going to have two touchdowns plus a CLV off the board, no bet. Well, and it's frustrating. I mean, obviously, you know, there are much bigger things at play, but still, you know, a lot of these games here, um, you know, they're trying to reschedule games and try to get these teams some games, and those wind up getting canceled too. I think we've had, what, four games wiped off the board here so yep. far in week four. And in fact, now I also saw this morning that the Louisiana game could be in question as they've got some players uh, dealing with some COVID situations. So Georgia Southern and Louisiana could be taken off the board here as well. You got a bet on that one or no? No, I should have because Circa opened uh, UL Lafayette 19. So a huge significant move there, but I was more concerned on the other side, Georgia Southern's COVID issues from a couple weeks ago. Uh, but, but now it looks like it's on the other side. So uh, that's a missed opportunity. Let's just put it that way. Well, we've talked about this a lot. We've touched on it with our different guests here, and uh, we've kind of done this in a sort of progressive way, week by week by week, talking about getting in on the markets early. And it feels like, you know, you're just, you're still trying to grab line value. And, you know, it it seems like we don't really have to worry about teams coming down with COVID and lines moving because when they get COVID, the game just gets canceled. So maybe that gives us some confidence to bet a little more early on in the week. Uh, yeah, certainly. And, uh, you know, regardless of whether or not the team specifically has a bunch of positive cases uh, in, in the instance of South Florida, just more precautionary because their opponent from the previous week, Notre Dame, had a bunch of positive cases. Yeah, I think, look, it's going to work out in the end. Some are going to move against you. Some are going to move with you. 
I, you know, my take is, you know, it, it kind of is what it is. I'm just going to continue to fire away. It's not going to change too much as far as my, my philosophy goes. Well, and that was something we talked about on Monday was, you know, if you're not going to trust your own numbers, who's going to trust your numbers? You know, yep. I mean, you put in all that work, you might as well support it things early on in the week where you feel like you've got some line value. And I don't know how many of our listeners put together power ratings and then their own spreads, but also you just kind of get a feel for the market. And more often than not, you can make educated guesses as to which of these lines will move uh, in the favor that you think or opposite what your thoughts are on that game. So I would encourage betters to do that. And even if you do it, you know, with some lower bet sizes than you would typically bet, you know, work on that, practice that. This is you know, all years are, are a good opportunity to do it, but especially this year here where you, know, you do have a limited number of games. You've got some conferences in play that most people don't normally pay attention to. This is a good year to work on some things, I think, for our listeners out there. Yeah, absolutely. Coming up with, with before you even look at a line to begin with, coming up with your own line on the game. Uh, and, you know, if you have big disparities, you know, feel free to put 5, 10, 20 bucks, depending on what your bankroll is. I mean, it certainly engages you a lot more in that specific game. And, yeah, I would say this would be a good year to learn a lot because, you know, even though, you know, I'm betting a lot of my numbers, I'm also getting an idea of you know, how much players are worth because some players are obviously going to be out, some are not. You know, how much is, you know, two, three games of games under their belt versus a team opening up their season. How much is that worth? A lot of things that I'm learning, even though I've been in the industry a decade plus. Well, and I think it's important too, especially because, you know, a lot of our listeners, the vast majority of our listeners are in the U S and, and whether you're in a jurisdiction with legal sports betting or not, it's probably going to happen for you here at some point, unless you live in a state like Utah or Alaska or Hawaii, something like that. Most of the States that are out there, will wind up with legal sports betting. I think, what, 23 or so already have it, maybe more than that at this point in time. But, you know, this is a good time to work on those things and be prepared to hit those early week numbers. Circa opens the global market. Then a lot of the offshores tend to follow. A lot of places do wind up copying where those numbers end up going. But with that being said, you you can still get some line value early in the week. And if you're in one of those states, as this continues to grow, very much a practice you want to get into. Absolutely. And, and again, what my philosophy is, you know, how can you bet so early in the week when, when you don't know who's playing or what the weather is or, or whatnot? To me, it's, it still comes down to that. I would much rather bet an individual bookmaker or a book than I would waiting till game day, even though we have all the information available at that point. I would much rather bet against one guy, whether it's that sports book director or whoever's making a the line there, than waiting until the actual game day and I'm betting against the entire market, whether it be the public, the sharp betters, the syndicate betters, positive EV bets the entire week are against that individual property or individual person. Well, and I think that's an excellent point and maybe something that's a little bit of an advanced point, uh, you know, for a lot of our listeners out there that you you really aren't betting against the book unless you're betting very early in the week where they're still kind of trying to figure out, you know, what their position is going to be on that game. As you said, you're betting against the market the longer that you wait. And and I agree with you. That's an excellent take by you. And it, it's one of the differences, and we'll talk more about this as we go throughout the show and as we seasons. There's a difference between handicapping and betting. Handicapping is breaking down the game. It's looking at the stats and the matchups, all the things you would typically do 
you know, in a fantasy football context or in somebody's game preview, or maybe you're out there writing your own game previews, something like that. But betting is the idea of having that feel for the market, of playing those openers, expecting that line to go your way, of playing a game because the line suggests that you should, even though maybe the matchup or the handicap isn't as convincing. So that's such an important delineation in this industry between handicapping and betting and the differences between the two. Absolutely. Two completely different things. I mean, betting is specifically numbers and you're not necessarily worried about a mat, a significant matchup edge or whatnot, or a position group. And it should be all built in, at least originally you're betting around key numbers, especially early in the week that that's especially what I'm looking for when I'm betting the circuit numbers, but handicapping is, you know, the, the, the entire process. Usually handicapping starts with the power rating differential, then goes into matchup situation, weather, all that different things that, that go into an actual handicap. Uh, so, yeah, two completely different things. And that, that's why, you know, there's just betters out there. Uh, they couldn't tell you a single player on a team. And then there's handicappers that they can dive into specific matchups. Well, and speaking of weather here, we're into late September. So make sure you're checking those weather reports. Yep. Wind, the biggest factor more than anything, but obviously precipitation uh, can definitely impact the game as well. I want to talk about a topic here for one of our highlight videos on ATS Radio for the ATS YouTube page. I teased this last week, and I'm glad that I remembered to do it because a lot of times I don't remember anything these days. But I, we talked about last week how we would do a video on live betting and some of the things that we look for in that context. And I think both of us agree live betting is the future of this business. The full game market has gotten a lot more difficult to beat. So you try to find those opportunities in game. I know you had one last week where you looked at <laughs> Tulane, thought Tulane was going to run away with that game against Navy. And you could see where your thought process was, but the game just kind of flipped, did a 180 didn't work out on the other hand you had a situation like that with army where you thought army was going to run a team off the field and they absolutely did earlier on in the week so in this highlight video here let's talk about live betting and talk about what you're kind of looking for as a game is going on to make some of those live wagers so obviously college football is a major swing in momentum and i'm looking at a variety of things you know maybe if you're making looking to make a second half bet maybe a team you know, scored right before the half that you can see is going to give them momentum going into the break. In particular, and it showed up before I get to the Tulane loss uh, that, that that I didn't think was a pro- properly accounted for was the injury. We saw Spencer Sanders for Oklahoma State, the quarterback, come up gimpy for them. Uh, and I didn't see that. The couple books I was looking at that, that offered that game up, to me, didn't look like they were making the proper adjustments. It was clear the Sanders didn't look like he was going to come back into the game. And, and at least the original backup for Oklahoma State didn't look like he was very capable of, you know, moving the team in the scoring position consistently, especially with a team that at the time was laying, uh, you know, a double-digit point spread, even though there was significant struggles there for Oklahoma State in that game. So with all the games going on, and it's going to be more pertinent this particular week with the SEC and a much bigger card than what we've seen in college football the first couple of weeks of the season, I don't think the sportsbook directors are certainly on top uh, of injuries, key injuries, and obviously quarterbacks the biggest one. But that we've seen it with, with, with you know wide receivers, key running backs again not getting properly accounted for, and then finally for me, 
Adam, is, you know, you're looking for a specific game where you're expecting to see more of the same. BYU-Navy on Labor Day night, you knew within the first couple possessions it wasn't going to be Navy's night. So I wasn't afraid, you know, to, to lay 14, 17, whatever it was with BYU in that particular night. I thought last weekend I was going to see more of the same. I watched the first couple, you know, series of the Tulane-Navy game. Uh, you know, Tulane locked down Navy's option. Uh, Tulane moved the football against Navy. So what the hell, it was 7 nothing in game. I bet Tulane minus 13 and a half. I'm like, I just, I think it's going to be a blowout. And at halftime, when it was 24 nothing, after I made it, uh, you know, the bet when it was 7 nothing, I felt pretty comfortable. Why? You know, Navy typically is not a team that, that that's going to be able to come from behind from big deficits. They can't throw the football. Uh, so, you know, th- that one went down in flames, unfortunately. But, you know, if I had to do it over again, I would make exactly the same bet on Tulane. Well, and that's the thing that you want to keep in mind with this business in general and, and with live betting, certainly, too. You, know, you want to focus on the process over the results. You know, more often than not, that bet is going to win. You know, Navy is not a come-from-behind team. They run a triple option. I mean, you know, they can't start chucking the ball vertical down the field because it's just not in their repertoire. But they made some adjustments, wind up coming back, win the game outright. It happens. It is what it is. But you thought you isolated something in-game that, you know, maybe wasn't properly accounted for in the line. And you mentioned the Spencer Sanders thing. That's an excellent one. You think about injuries in football. You think about foul trouble in the NBA and college basketball. Those are things that aren't properly accounted for because a lot of times live betting is very algorithmic. It's how much time is left, what the score is, yep. what the spread was before the game, stuff like that. And it won't take into account those things like injuries and foul trouble and just being able to watch the game. No matter how much work we do before a game actually starts, it is still educated guesswork. We're trying yep. to get the best number that we can. We're trying to see if we can handicap as much variance as possible out of the game. And we're trying to see how this thing's going to play out in our minds. There is no substitute for seeing how things are actually playing out. And that's where live betting can generate a lot of advantages where you can say, hey, you know, this team's just not moving the football. There's something going on here. Or, hey, this pass rush, this other team's defensive line is completely dominating this game. And those are things that maybe you thought about before the game. Maybe you accounted for before the game, but now you're actually seeing them. And that's when you can extract some equity betting on that game. Yeah. And in particular, those matchups, the defensive line, offensive line stuff that maybe was in your handicap on the game, but you thought, eh, it's worth a point or so here. But when you actually physically see something like that, oh my goodness, this is worth several points. I didn't properly account for it. And, and yeah, sometimes you're not taking the, the best of the number like you were maybe pre-flop that, that ended up being correct on your behalf. But but I'm okay taking you know three four points worth of it when I I think it's maybe worth seven points or, or, or something more than that. Uh, again, it's the the future of the industry. Uh, with each passing year, more books are offering it, more games are available. Uh, so uh, again, no matter how good your pre-flop handicap is. Sometimes it's just, I mean, nothing beats betting a game in in game. And again, I'm going to point to it all year. The BYU-Navy game was example A of I don't care how good your pre-flop handicap is. Physically seeing something on your screen like that, it just doesn't get any better than that. 
Well, and one last point to mention here. We talked previously in our previous segment, and you can hear you know, everything that we have to say on our ATS radio podcast. But you know, we talked about this is a good year for people to try making their own numbers, to work on power ratings, to bet early in the week, even if you don't bet the same bet amounts that you usually do as you get closer to kickoff, you can throw, you know, a quarter unit out there or a half unit out there, something like that, just to get yourself in the practice of doing that, of, you know, making your own numbers, playing early in the week, seeing how many games move in your favor. Let's say you're a 50 or a hundred dollar better, you know, pre-flop, but you want to learn live betting, make five, 10, 15, $20 wagers on that just to, you know, get your sea legs under you, get an understanding for how the process works, you know, how the algorithms change the lines based on what's happening and all these types of things. You don't have to go crazy with it. You don't have to bury yourself with your bankroll and wind up having 50, 60% of your bankroll in play because you're live betting the game. Just give yourself the opportunity to learn how it all works, to see if you can isolate some of those scenarios See if you can find some things that maybe the sports books don't account for. Like you said, the Spencer Sanders injury, like I've mentioned the example of fall trouble and just, you know, go about it that way and and see if it's something you can get a little bit more of a feel for, because we all know that when a lot of people bet on games, they watch them too. And this gives you the opportunity to, you know, either live trade the game or just at least get a feel for what both Brad and I believe is the future of sports betting. Yeah, and I think your point should be very valid. You got to be very careful because the temptation is always there after you see a certain score or a certain play to fire on a team. You know, it's okay to bet a little bit in game, but as you're learning and filling out the process, lower your amounts. I can't emphasize that enough because, especially in college football, college basketball, there are incredible NBA incredible uh, <laughs> moves of you know swings of momentum and as far as game flow. Although one more thing that we haven't uh, mentioned, uh, you also in-game the, the opportunities for middles, because especially with get sports like college basketball, college football, and the NBA, with those massive swings and momentum and game flow, man, you can really set yourself up for 14, 17, 21-point middling opportunities. And that's another why, reason why I think live in-game live betting is the wave of the future. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we we talk about misleading box scores here on this show quite a bit. We do that a lot on Mondays as we sort of, you know, recap the weekend. And you see line moves based on those misleading box scores. You know, you see moves where a team outgained the other team by 200 yards. Their line comes out a little bit short in the minds of the market. All of a sudden that line's going up on Monday. It's a similar thing with live betting. If a team shoots seven for 11 from three in the first half, they're probably not going to do that again in the second half. So that is a live betting thing that you can look to take advantage of. A team may go six for seven on down in the first half. Probably won't happen in the second yep. half. But if you notice that they're just having success, tight ends are running free, you know, third medium, they're just guys are open by three yards. Maybe it won't regress to the mean. Maybe that's an angle you can still play on. So live betting gives you a lot of these opportunities. Again, you have to be responsible with your bankroll and not have too much of it in play because a lot of different things can happen. But the the overall theme here, the overall point is that there are a lot of opportunities to be had. And in some instances, it can be much easier than handicapping a game preflop just because, again, you've been able to see something play out whether you expected it or not. 
Absolutely. Uh, the, the issue is a guy like me that's all information-based and, you know, ha has a customer base as well. Getting that information out to those people in a timely manner is the, the kind of push and pull. But, but if you're an individual guy learning the market and wanting to do this, I think that would be my soul. If I was just starting in, in the industry right now, I wouldn't even worry about pre-flop. I would just focus solely on the in-game live betting. Well, definitely the future of sports betting, as you and I have said multiple times here on this segment. And make sure you check out all of our highlight videos over on our ATS YouTube page. And also make sure you subscribe here to listen to the full versions of ATS.io radio. All right, with that, before we get into a few game breakdowns here, we'll give ourselves a couple of minutes to sort of uh, survey the card. Just in general here, as the SEC begins play, as the ACC keeps going, we've got situations again this week, Brad, where we've got some teams that have been playing, some teams that haven't been, some teams with two or three games, some teams with one game. Do you feel like the sports books are, you know, really starting to account pretty well for those situations where we've got, you know, differences of where the state of the team is? Or do you feel like there are still some opportunities to be had? Uh, early in the week, they're not, in my opinion, properly accounting for some of it. Uh, but but I think once you and I start talking on Thursdays, yeah, I think the market is sharper now than what it was, say, two weeks ago, specifically, obviously, in college. But 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 again, I, I, I pounded my fist here. Sunday and Mondays, I don't think that they, they grasp the COVID uh, issues, you know, your certain situations where, you know, for example, Duke, Virginia, Duke's played two games, Virginia. If you were to just do that, you know, pre, like on a Friday or Saturday for the upcoming week, those certain situations and, and bet on or against those teams, I I think you're going to get at least a couple points of close in most instances. Because right now, if you're looking to bet on Sunday and Monday, again, the books have not properly accounted for a lot of these and. Certainly this week, I saw more significant moves from the Circa World Openers than even what I saw last week. I don't know what your number is in that Duke-Virginia game. I got Virginia minus four in that one, and it opened, what, nine, I think? Nine at Circa. So, <laughs> again, not being properly accounted for the fact Duke, not only, we, you talked about it earlier, a misleading, you know, final against Boston College. That was one thing that, you know, betters were going to look to pounce on Duke. And then the other factor, Duke just got done playing two games. Virginia hasn't played yet. You knew a lot of the early betting money would come on Duke in that instance. So, again, wasn't properly accounted for then. Now, obviously, through a key number of seven, uh, it's, you know, at least better price than the line. I still think there'd be some slight value on Duke. All right, so it sounds like you and I are both in the same spot there, Virginia minus four in, in that type of range. And, again, that's why it's helpful and beneficial to create your own numbers and have those things to go off of early in the week. We got a quick turnaround here, obviously, but just real quickly here, we got a Thursday night game and we have a Friday night game, which was just recently added to the card uh, because uh, Middle Tennessee rescheduled a game against somebody. But UAB in South Alabama tonight, game 417-418. Starting to see a few sevens pop up out there in the market with UAB, a road favorite against a South Alabama team. It's been very impressive to this point. Certainly, but 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 you also, I think it's taken into consideration as far as the line. My line on the game is right near where the number is on this one. And keep in mind, I mean, UAB is a pretty good team. South Alabama is getting double digits against Southern Miss, who I think UAB is better uh, than. And then clearly now that we've seen Southern Miss for a couple games, and then, you know, Tulane was also at South Alabama, laying double digits in that one. 
And, and you know, UAB Tulane might be a similarly uh, power-rated team. So, again, factored in the line. What's also, you know, interesting about tonight's game, and I think another in-game live betting opportunity, you got two teams playing, you know, backup quarterbacks in this one. Uh, the, the, Tyler Johnson's hurt for UAB. His backup's gotten some snaps, gotten some playing time the first couple of games, but we'll see. First road start for him. Does he struggle? The, 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 I mean, I, again, I'm not sure that's going to be properly accounted for pre-flop. And, and then also Lovertich, uh, the J.C. transfer for South Alabama. Again, a player that's gotten a lot of snaps in the first couple of games, but he has never started, at least at this level before. Again, one, and you know, maybe both quarterbacks handle it fine, but I, I'm guessing one's going to handle it better than the other, and you're going to be able to see that for the first couple series of the game. Again, another in-game live betting opportunity, in my opinion. The Friday night game is is kind of a throwaway game on the surface because, you know, these aren't teams that uh, are very good or very popular. But it's a very interesting handicap here with Middle Tennessee State and UTSA game 455-456. Look, when you get trucked by Army in week <laughs> one, I will give you a pass for that because you don't see the option if you're Middle Tennessee State. And quite frankly, you're more worried, more worried about your team and kind of getting everything set up with your squad when you get trucked by Troy the following week not a very good look a Troy team that hadn't played a game yet middle Tennessee you know did play a gimmicky kind of game against Army but still it was just not a good look for them at all UTSA who's been one of the bottom five in everybody's power ratings the last what three or four years pretty much laying a touchdown yeah with a total of 60 in this game oof I, I mean I'm not going to be invested in this game I doubt you will be either but Man, you know, you talk about Texas State last week. You talk about UTSA this week. Some teams that are not accustomed to big favorite roles laying some decent numbers early on here. Yeah, I mean, if this game is preseason power rings, uh, Middle Tennessee would be favored. And I dropped Middle Tennessee about eight points. Maybe it hasn't been enough. I'm just not built to, you know, automatically drop a team two touchdowns in my power rings after a couple of games. Uh, But, man, the market certainly looks like they've dropped Middle Tennessee down double digits, you know, I like the job and like what I've seen from UTSA so far, but man, a pure power rating for me is in the field goal range, even though, I mean, in a typical season, I'd be, you know, I'd be giddy up. <laughs> Let's go with middle Tennessee. I'll take the plus seven. Looks like an overreaction. I'm just not willing to do that at this point for me, maybe small potatoes type of bet. I'm going to go over. I think UTSA's offense is legit this year. Some missed scoring opportunities for them. And, you know, I worry about Middle Tennessee's defense, but I also think their offense is due to to, to have a a good performance here. So higher total here, 59 and 60 range, but I would lean over. Well, and this is one UTSA has very much increased their tempo this year. And maybe that's maybe that's accounted for in the number. Maybe it's not. I guess we'll kind of wait and see how that one plays out. Game 395, 396, Florida State and Miami. I thought opening under 10 was a gift. I expected this number to move up. And it has. It's still not up to where my number has this game, but it is 11 or 11 and a half out there. Total 53 and a half to 54 range. So maybe that's kind of keeping this number down a little bit because the total has dropped about a full field goal or more in the marketplace. But, you know, look, Florida State's in a tough spot here. I mean, their coach sidelined with COVID-19, Mike Norvell, who was already a first-year head coach anyway. They didn't play last week. Miami hung almost 50 on Louisville. 
is is this number too high for you to take a shot on Miami, or do you feel like you know the uh, the Hurricanes are in line to blow away another opponent here? Wow, the way you're breaking it down, you know, <laughs> it sounds like sure thing Miami. It's near my number. Uh, maybe I've been too slow to adjust Miami's power rating, even though I got them up four or five points. I think they're clearly a top fifteen team. I guess let me ask you this, because I know you like to regrade games as the season goes along. Florida State didn't play last week, and I still dropped them three points because Georgia Tech looked very good against them and then got blown out by Central Florida. So is that fair? I thought Georgia Tech looked okay against Central Florida. A lot of missed scoring opportunities again for the Yellow Jackets. I think, you know, obviously, you know, Central Florida put it on them in in, in the fourth quarter because it was a 28-21 game entering the fourth quarter in that one. And again, that was already taken into consideration Georgia Tech and messed up many scoring opportunities. UCF did as well. But uh, no, I, I guess that's where our disagreement is. I did drop Florida State because Norvell's not there. I think he's worth at least a point and just not phys- the man hours uh, and him not physically being there for this game out with COVID-19. But yeah, I didn't drop him three points. So let's just put it that way. All right, because I mean that's the difference. My line's fifteen, yeah. so if I if I leave those three points there, I'm at twelve. So I'm I'm pretty much in line with the market for the most part. So yeah, and and, and that's something that you know. I mean, I've been doing power ratings for several years. I know you've been doing power ratings dating long before that, back to your Phil Steele days with North Coast Sports. And you know, I mean, maybe that's part of the problem is that you know sometimes I still run into a, a little bit of that overreaction, a little bit of that recency bias. And generally speaking, when our numbers are different, mine and yours, it's because I've overreacted to something. So oh, I guess I it's not know. a big surprise I mean, here. We made a lot of dinner bets on those last year. And uh, last I checked, you came out uh, out of those. I can still taste that burger. Man, that burger was good. It was. I owe you a few more. <laughs> hey, if I keep picking good spots like that, I don't think you'll mind. Oh, yeah. Not, not at all, man. Are you kidding me? All right, one other game I want to talk about here, and then we'll get to a highlight game. But I wanted to get your take on Tennessee and South Carolina. For those watching the highlight videos, I am wearing a hat that says Cox on it. Not (laughs) because I – never mind. I just like South Carolina. But interesting game here. That Three-and-a-half is now the side. Forty-three-and-a-half is the total. So if you listen to Monday's show and you bet the under, you got some totals value on that one. Both Kyle Hunter and I definitely uh, on board, at least with where the market is, for the total for this one. But – Tennessee laying road numbers in SEC play has not been a common theme here lately. Is is this a good spot for them against South Carolina, or do you feel like you know maybe uh, Tennessee will have some trouble winning and covering as a road favorite here? Yeah, and no, I think it's just to get too heavily involved in this one. I, I think you guys are obviously right. Market agreed. The under should have been the play there. A lot of SEC totals, you know, with the exception of one, LSU Mississippi State, I thought were priced too high uh, in the marketplace to, to start it off. Uh, under would have been the play early in the week. You know, the, the I definitely don't want to lay the hook on the road with the Tennessee team, like you mentioned, it hasn't been laying road favorite uh, what in three, four years in SEC play. Uh, and they they've they had just a few weeks ago, man, forty players out for a scrimmage. I, I mean, it's not like boom bang, you're back in the next couple of days. I mean, forty t- if it was true, forty players being out because of COVID, you I mean, technically you should have missed. Two weeks of practice. So, again, not willing to, to lay more than a field goal on the road here. But but I'm not anxious to bet South Carolina with a new offense coordinator, new quarterback. Like you mentioned before, uh, you know, we started taping this. Not a lot of playmakers for South Carolina. They lost a key one who's playing for the Raiders right now at wide receiver. So, 
stay away at the current numbers for me. I guess one game I, I do want to ask about real quickly here, uh, just because it comes right before a highlight game. Game 433-434 is Mississippi State and LSU, and we have seen some Mississippi State money on this game, but I know you're big on returning production. I know you read a lot of the Bill Connolly stuff like all of us do. LSU, I mean, they lost virtually everything from that championship team last year, but Mississippi State is dramatically changing their offense with Mike Leach going to that air raid. I mean, look, 16 and a half is a big number. Mississippi State could be an absolute dumpster fire here, and it wouldn't surprise anybody. I mean, would would you bet this game with, with, you know, your most hated rivals money? (laughs) I would not, not the side. I did bet the total. I mean, they opened a total of 48. I'm like, oh. this ain't less miles against, you know, uh, you know, an early Dan Mullen Mississippi state offense didn't have a quarterback pre Dak Prescott. So, I mean, I feel comfortable with that bet, but right now I'm not betting it. There's just too many unknowns. I would have loved to bet, uh, you know, LSU. I probably would have faded LSU against maybe 10 other sec teams, but not Mississippi state stark difference. Uh, you know, sort of say with their contrasting styles uh, of offense going to Mike Leach, new quarterback, KJ Costello, a transfer, too many unknowns, but I think another in-game wagering opportunity. We'll, we'll know first couple series of the game, you know, if LSU, you know, talent uh, weighs out over inexperience or, you know, maybe Costello's got the offense down and Mississippi State's chucking it. Again, I think another live opportunity but pre-flop right now hell no. No, no not betting even with your money buddy i'm not your hated rival am i that's mean man come on <laughs> sorry come on i mean i know i beat you in all the head-to-head bets but come on <sighs> yeah i mean it's all a competition man i know uh, are you gonna know i mean it uh i don't care if it's checkers uno or, or megan bets a uh, little dinner bets man i, I mean i want to win are you a sharp uno player i am very sharp and really? I know people say it's all chance, but I can do, I can figure out a lot of things in my head on the fly. So yeah, I am very good at it. All right. Our next highlight video is going to be Uno <laughs> tips from professional handicapper, Brad Powers. All right, let's go ahead and do a highlight game breakdown here for game 437, 438, Kentucky and Auburn, Auburn, seven and a half point favorite total on the rise up to 49 and a half or even 50 out there. And I want to start with the total here first, Brad, because Generally speaking, we don't see a lot of totals going up for Kentucky football games. Does that say anything to you one way or the other about how this game could play out? I mean, it concerns me a little bit. Maybe the expectation is, you know, Auburn uh, offensively is maybe a little bit better than what we thought. But, man, uh, to me, the the, the whole here focuses on the line of scrimmage. And to me, I, I don't expect Auburn to have much success in that department. So I am surprised the total is going up. Usually, I mean, most often, I mean, total goes up. You know, that, that's going to more scoring. Who's it going to favor? Probably the favorite because if there's more scoring, more opportunities for the favorite to exert their, their, their dominance over the opponent. So as we look at the spread then here, seven and a half, what do you think about that? So this is, I'm glad we're, we're talking about this one has nothing to do with the number for me. This is a matchup-specific handicap for me. And, again, it's a line of scrimmage league in the SEC. And, you know, th- this might come shocking to most. I think it's one of those once-in-a-generation, or at least when we're comparing to what Kentucky football has been for the last 20, 30, 40 years, this is a rare instance where I think Kentucky 
has the edge at the line of scrimmage, specifically Kentucky's offensive line, which many feels one of the top five, six offensive lines, forgetting the SEC, we're talking the entire country, taking it on an Auburn defensive line, just lost a couple of draft picks uh, to, to the NFL, including the first defensive uh, lineman taken. Uh, so uh, I think uh, specifically a big edge there for Kentucky. On the other side of the line of scrimmage, Auburn's got to replace four starters on the offensive line. I don't think that's necessarily a good look for the Tigers there. So even though my numbers aren't strong on Kentucky, for that reason and that reason alone at the line of scrimmage, I do like them plus the seven and a half. It's interesting. I got this one Auburn minus nine and a half. I'm not sure. I don't think you're as off as I am on that game, although two points. You know, most people would say it's not that far off. It all kind of depends on which numbers are in play there. But specifically on the Kentucky side, They don't have Lynn Bowden Jr. anymore. They're going to go back to a more traditional type of offense where it's not going to be a lot of improvisation, a lot of quarterback running, things of that sort. Does that worry you about Kentucky? Even though they have this good offensive line, you know, the traditional offense and the quarterbacks that they had in-house, you know, before Bowden took over, it wasn't really a great look for them. It wasn't, but yet, you know, the quarterback, and this is where I think another mispricing is, is Terry Wilson, who was going to be the starting quarterback last year, was the starting quarterback in 2018 when Kentucky managed 10 wins. So, I mean, he was good enough to win 10 games in the SEC two years ago. And, and look, some of the advantages, you know, that that, that Bowden had, it's, it's not there. But kudos for, for Stoops for adjusting on the fly. But I'm not concerned that Kentucky's going back to more of a typical style offense here. And, I don't think as far as pure quarterback play, it's that big of a downgrade like everyone's uh, making it out to be. One last thing I want to ask you about here, as the SEC begins play, and we know that the Big Ten will begin play here in about a month or so, we've talked a lot about home field advantage, what it's worth, what it's not. You know, you've got a crowd presence in some places, no crowd in others. For the most part, SEC teams are going to have a crowd presence and likely somewhere between 15 to 25,000 fans, depending on the capacity of the stadium. So what does that mean for you in the context of games this week, like at Ole Miss, at LSU, at Auburn, those games where we're actually going to have, you know, enough people to really make some noise? Yeah, but it's still significantly less than typical SEC games. So, I mean, as far as SEC, what we're going to be some of the biggest downgrades as far as home field advantage it was going to be these sec atmospheres uh specifically sold out crowds at night while you had 12 hours of you know drinking and consumption of alcoholic beverages and taking that out of the mix i mean i was looking to downgrade some of these home field advantages two three points we'll see how loud 15 25,000 people can be and again gonna be gotta see it first on my screen because we haven't seen a lot of those type of atmospheres and crowds so far in college football I got to see it first. I'm still not expecting it for this game. Why? 11 a.m. start time. And I'll have to do the research on this, at least to, to make it more current. But going back to my North Coast uh, Phil Steele days, I didn't want to be laying points in SEC conference play on these 11 a.m. Central uh, local kickoff times. It's just, you know, a little bit of a sleepy crowd there early in the morning. Uh, and I wasn't anxious to bet the favorite there. Let's just put it that way. Well, and in general, for me, home field advantage, I've given one for the travel, one and a half for schools that have some sort of crowd presence, but generally, you know, it's relatively small. 
I think most of my SEC teams, I'd have to go back and double check this, but I think most of my SEC teams are two with okay. the top of the heap being, you know, two and a half teams that just win at home and they're going to win at home no matter what. And you kind of have to incorporate that into the line. But I mean, for the most part, I would say it's, you know, pretty much cut in half for me uh, right now for the SEC. And we'll see, you know, if that winds up being the case going forward. I'm in a similar, almost exactly same boat as far as my pure power ratings factoring the home field advantage. Well, this was a highlight video here of Kentucky versus Auburn. Make sure you listen to our full podcast editions of ATS.io radio and subscribe to our ATS YouTube page as well. Brad, with that, any other games in college football that you want to talk about here for week four before we move over to the NFL? You know, the one that I think is really interesting handicap, and I know a lot of the pure math guys that the Bill Connollys of the world really love TCU this week. I don't love TCU this week. I love the other side, Iowa State, uh, for a lot of reasons. Number one, let's just talk. I know that there's a little bit of luster off the shine of Matt Campbell, at least his last six, seven games dating back to last year. But one thing that he's you know proven to be is he's got Gary Patterson's number, the tune of 4-0 against the spread against Patterson, covering by double digits, covering by double digits. Laid a similar number last year and absolutely hammered TCU by 25. Iowa State's got the game under their belt advantage. It was a game, yeah, it wasn't a good look for them by any stretch of the imagination, but it wasn't as bad as the 31-14 final. Two special teams touchdowns for UL Lafayette really contributed to that one long pass play. Again, I think I'm getting value there. And I think TCU, again, COVID issues uh, a lot during fall camp. There was some player unrest early on back in, in the summer. They got a quarterback, Duggan, who's cleared to play but isn't going to start. Uh, so we'll see how that plays out. Another in-game live opportunity. Maybe he comes in off the bench, sort of say, but I'm looking to bet Iowa State here minus the two and a half. Game under belt advantage, uh, misleading final from the week before, series advantage, and Gary Patterson. I mean, this was incredible in, in the offseason work that I did, Adam. Uh, Gary Patterson, the last four years, 37% against the spread, 37%. The only two power five teams worse, UCLA and Arizona in that time period. So uh, he's a Hall of Famer, but uh, maybe the game's passed him by a little bit. Wow, that's a fascinating stat, especially because, you know, people kind of revere Gary Patterson as a head coach in a lot of ways. And and maybe that goes back to when TCU was in the Mountain West and, and all that, but Ooh, man, that's 2014, great... 15, I mean, had some yeah. elite teams in college football. Yeah, that's true. The, the line movement on this game has been fascinating. I know Iowa State yeah. opened a favorite at Circa, got bet to a dog. I know you caught a piece of them as an underdog. Yeah. Then the line swung. They got as high as minus five earlier in the week, yeah. and now it's come back down again. Uh, fascinating game, obviously, you know, with all these swings one of the most bet games of the week, and you got sharp money going both ways in this game too. So really interesting to watch the market movement for that one, to say the least. Yeah, and I mean, the market, look, I agreed with the the early money. I, I bet Iowa State early. Five was pricey, no question about it, but the fact that it moved down two and a half points through a key number of three, so it's basically like a probably a three-point move. I mean, I'm okay with that. If Duggan was going to play and start the game, but he's not. And we don't even know how healthy he's been. Has he been practicing? So I think when he's healthy and he's going to play, he's worth three points. In this situation, I don't think he's worth three points for for that move. So, again, that's where my disagreement is at the current number. Before we transition over to the NFL, do you want to spend 20 minutes on UTEP and UL Monroe or no? 
<laughs> no, it is kind of funny that even with everyone out, that I, these are the two. I think everyone has these two as the bottom two teams playing right now, as far as the and the spread is ten. And the number UTEP's is 10. bad. How man. bad is UTEP? I mean, they're bad. I mean, they really had to fight, claw, and scratch to beat a couple of SCS teams. And, and kudos, you got the wins. But we're talking middle of the road at best. FCS teams, they had to fight, claw, and scratch to beat. I, I would take 10, though, with UTEP, just a lean. I can't lay double digits with UL Monroe right now. Should they just join the Big Sky or something? I mean, is, is that what UTEP should do? And no, they're. I mean, they're in Conference USA, so I mean, they got to stick with that money. The other team in that area of the, uh, of the country that's really, you know, left out to dry is New Mexico State. Doesn't have a conference. The travel, it's unbelievable travel, even in a conference like the Big Sky for them. Uh, more like quit football, I think, is the answer for a lot of those schools. All right, so we will move over to the NFL here, and uh, before we get to any games, I and mean, we will have a highlight video breakdown here for the Raiders and the Patriots. This week's injury report is oh stupid. God. It's and look, the thing of it is a lot of these guys are out for the year or at least definitely out this week and out multiple weeks. So it's not like we're sitting here waiting on a ton of questionable designations. There are a few and there are some teams with cluster injuries where a lot of guys are questionable, but man, I, I just, I don't remember an NFL season like this with so many superstar game changer types of dudes, guys that aren't quarterbacks that could still move the number being out. It's crazy. Yeah. And I'm going to give props to Warren Sharp. Talk about it a couple weeks ago. Uh, worried about a lot of these issues with no preseason camp, not a lot of hitting uh, hardly any OTAs and whatnot. I mean, the first type of hundred percent, let's go get after it's been these couple of games. So, I would hate to say, hey, it's shocking, but considering what, you know, the lack of, you know, conditioning, lack of hitting, lack of preparation, it's not a super, you know, big time surprise for me. And yeah, I I won't even get to it. I was going to get a little political, a little controversial. I won't go there. Uh, Well, the the only thing I would say is, I mean, ACLs happen all the time and and we've had a ton of those. And I, I don't know if that's something that, you know, preseason would have helped with or anything like that. Uh, certainly doesn't seem like it would have helped at MetLife Stadium, where the the poor 49ers have to go back and well, play I mean, that's again. Team, okay, if that was the case, then the Jets would have had a bunch of them. And they did lose yeah. three guys for the season on defense last week, didn't they? All right, fair enough. I I don't. It just I seems mean, like the 49ers are the only ones really bitching and complaining about it, and which I think is significant considering they're playing at the exact same place this week. I think psychologically, it's a horrible spot for them. Uh, there but i mean we'll see that i mean well in general something interesting to me about that game between the 49ers and the giants of course the giants of course lose saquon barkley as we know to a torn acl but they were trying to force feed barkley the football to run with a horrendous offensive line now yep. daniel jones is gonna have to throw quite a bit more and maybe that helps the giants or at least helps it helps them score more points so Maybe this is, you know, a low total over you kind of want to take a look at, something like that. I'm still not willing to bet the over on that one, but I, I did pull off the rubber band on the Giants. Again, over-reliance on Saquon Barkley, yeah, it's a big loss for them. But, again, how many teams are relying so solely on a, on a running back? There's a reason why they're not doing it in the NFL anymore. So, again, uh, I think moving more towards Daniel Jones at this point 
maybe it's not a good look for this week. I hope it is because I bet him. But I think as far as the future and the progression of him and the development of a quarterback, not having Saquon as a, a safety net back there might actually be good for Daniel Jones this season. Well, and then another running back, it's out Christian McCaffrey for Carolina. I mean, I don't know who wants to lay six and a half with the Chargers, but I also don't know how you take Carolina with the situation that they're in, including the long travel and, and the first year coach and Matt Rule and all of that. I mean, that, that's the thing about this week in the NFL. I, I think just in general, you know, you, you got to lay uncomfortable numbers with the Chargers. I think the Cardinals number is a little bit uncomfortable against Detroit. You've got this, you know, short Giants number that a lot of people seem to like. Uh, a lot of people taking Houston at the short number, which is a game I do agree with, by the way. I like the Texans a little bit in that one. But I mean, all of a sudden, the Bengals are down from six and a half to four and a half <laughs> against Philadelphia. There are a lot of unsavory, very hard to make bets being made this week, I think. Yeah, I, see, I, I agree this week. And I, I fought the case last week. And it was what the most time since in any season, basically since the, a lot of records went back to like 1985 as far as teams winning, favorites winning, but not covering the spread. I just, you know, a lot of dogs I wasn't anxious to, to bet on. That kind of came. I mean, yeah, maybe they covered, but I mean, a window there where beautiful and I didn't do it because I got you know killed on a couple teasers in week one but last week was a teaser's dream and I didn't take advantage uh again this week a lot of I play with the favorite man I I I don't want to really I'm not anxious to take it with the dogs so a lot of throwaway games for me in the NFL thankfully I did find three four games where where I really like and we're going to get the one that I can't wait here in in a couple minutes well, and this is a challenge, and tomorrow I'll talk about my Circa picks for week three, seven, two, oh. and one to start the season here. I mean, seven, look, there, two, and one, that's good, yeah, man. Seven, two, and one, not bad. Well, I mean, there's somebody at 10 and one, or 10 and oh, there's a few guys at yeah. nine, oh, and one and all that, but. Um, Keep grinding, man. But that that's the thing, is you know, this feels like one of those quintessential weeks in the NFL where I like three games, you know, I, I can yep. talk myself into a fourth, but you got to pick five games in these contests, whether you're in the Circa or the Super Contest or you're in something, you know, with friends or some kind of pool. Absolutely. And my note, three's always been my sweet spot. So I, I tip the cap to you guys being able to go Especially five. because I, you can't play totals. Yeah, you can't you play totals. So three, yeah, three's always been kind of my sweet spot, even counting totals each week. Three, four is what I usually bet counting totals. In the NFL, I mean, and I've been good. I mean, I'm more successful in the NFL than I am for, for Pete's sake in college football. But, man, five sides is incredibly tough to do. Although, come on. I mean, everyone's bitching and complaining. You do get the benefit of the doubt as far as a stale number that you can pick as far as the contest goes. Picking, you know, live on the side is one thing, laying the 110. But a stale number in a contest kind of, I think, evens it out as far as having to take five. It does. Of course, last week, Philadelphia was a stale number, top pick in the Circa, and, I mean, they got beaten pretty soundly <laughs> yeah. by the Rams. And you know, that was one that I believe was Pick'em, I want to say, in the Circa. Yeah. It was it was either Pick'em or, or even Eagles plus one on one of those two contests, I believe. And, you know, that was a stale number, people kind of grasping at that line value. And sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. That was an instance where it, it did work out. It works out. I mean, I did a lot of stale numbers the last couple of years in the Golden Nugget. and You did uh, very well in the Golden Nugget. So, it, you know, don't beat yourself up if you're losing some stale numbers. Uh, in the long run, you're positive. EV. Well, and we'll see if those stale numbers come into play here this week. Again, as I mentioned, with some of those questionable injury designations 
for some cluster injuries, and cluster injuries is what you want to pay attention to. Barkley's priced into the number. McCaffrey's priced into the number. Garoppolo's priced into the number, stuff like that. But those cluster injuries at other positions, generally not priced into the number. And there may be some elements not priced into the number here for this game. We got a highlight video breakdown on ATS Radio of the matchup between the Raiders and the Patriots. Game 461-462 here on the board. New England laying six or six and a half, total 47 and a half here. And this will be a consensus opinion from us. And you will hear me talk about this game with my Circa breakdown tomorrow on the show. Brad, the floor is yours, man. Raiders and Patriots, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so, I mean, this is not only my favorite NFL bet of the week, probably my favorite NFL bet uh, of the last couple of weeks, just put it that way. It's my favorite bet that I'm going to make college or pro this week. And I know it's going to sound square, but I'm laying with the Patriots. Uh, Number one, I think it's a horrific spot for the Raiders. Off that emotional first game win in the new stadium last week, one day less of prep time, flying across the country for the second time in three weeks for the Raiders. Huge negative that I don't think is being accounted for in this line, sort of say. Uh, And then the Patriots, for me, the mispricing comes down to this. I think New England upgraded a quarterback this year with Cam Newton, at least now that he's healthy. uh, Maybe that won't be the case at the end of the season. But right now, with Cam Newton running and throwing, I think they upgraded. And look, you talk about, you know, one yard having an impact on a point spread. This point spread, in my opinion, is seven if the Patriots get one extra yard last week against the Seahawks. If they win, get the outright upset win over the Seahawks or 2-0, and I think this line's seven. So, um, to me, a yard's not going to, you know, move, move my number a half point to a point, even though I thought the market would have. So, again, no, no, those couple of key factors. And on top of it, the key factor for me, 17-year sample size of New England off a loss, a straight-up loss under Belichick, 68% against the spread, covering by six points per game. Add it up for me, my favorite bet of the week, New England. Yep, I completely agree. I cannot even play devil's advocate with anything that you said. (laughs) And furthermore here, too, the Vegas offensive line has some issues. They've got some injury problems. I think last week, quite frankly, and I was on the Raiders, and that was the one that tipped me to three and two last week. I just don't know if the Saints are all that good. I mean, I, I give Vegas credit for winning the game. I give them credit for winning that week one game on the road at Carolina in kind of a weirdish type of spot. I, I just don't think the Saints are very good. I think Drew Brees is showing his age quite significantly, and he did the same thing in the playoffs last year. I think Vegas has just gotten fortunate in the first two weeks to play a first-year NFL head coach in rule, and then to wind up taking on a Saints team that is just watered down right now, a Saints team that just doesn't look like the team that we've seen the last several years. The Patriots, on the other hand, look very good. Cam Newton seems very comfortable. Josh McDaniels loves running this offense. They can do a lot of things that they couldn't do with Tom Brady. Belichick is a defensive genius. We all knew that already. We saw that last year when he took over as the D.C. We're seeing it here again this year, even with some of the guys that you know aren't out there for him. Look, yeah, Russ moved the football. Russ is going to move the football on everybody. Yeah. But New England will get better as this season goes along, and I think this is a spot for them to show it. So uh, New England, I they they win this game comfortably, I think. I, I really do believe that. Yeah, and look, they struggled defensively last week, but Russell Wilson's getting the ball down the field vertically. 
does Derek Carr and the Raiders do that? Oh. Absolutely not. Dink and dunk. I mean, that's going to fit right into what Belichick wants to do. And, you know, you've seen the picture making waves. I love seeing Belichick look so disgruntled, like he hadn't slept in three days yesterday in the press conference. To me, that solidified it. I mean, maybe I, I'm, you know, getting, you know, led to slaughter here. But as I'm even talking to you, I mean, I think New England's going to be my biggest bet of the year so far. Yeah, they have to be. I mean, again, you talk about the spot, you talk about the matchup, you talk about the injury considerations, you talk about New England awful loss. Just so many things pointing in the Patriots' favor, and I'm shocked that this number's not seven. And quite frankly, by the time I edit the video and post it this afternoon, it could very well be seven. That's even cheap. I, I think this is a spot where New England is just primed to roll. And as you mentioned, two trips to the East Coast for Vegas already. You know, and, and in between a Monday night game to open up their stadium. And yeah, fans weren't there, but still, you know, that's a, a landmark moment for the franchise. And and to do it, beating a team like the New Orleans Saints, who's a fixture in that primetime type of spot, just an awful spot for the So I think a lot of people also coming into the season, they talked about the continuity of the Raiders and how they should get off to a decent start. But a lot of people don't really love the personnel for this team. And now they're probably operating at a disadvantage here against New England. Uh, so many factors. We may end up looking like idiots here, and that's fine if we do. Because even if the Raiders win this game outright, if I got to run it back, I'd bet New England again. Yep. Minus six, six and a half, without a doubt. I'm not going to regret it. I, I just Even if they lose by 30 points, the Patriots, I have to make this bet. Because it's just a simple check, 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 check. Fits all the handicaps for me. And I'm wondering, here's where I'm going to loss. I, I got to lay it here. I mean, to me, again, Cam Newton right now is an upgrade over what we've seen from Tom Brady the last couple of years. So, yep. I mean, big mispricing in my instance. And one other thing, I mean, the first trip to the East Coast for the Raiders wasn't that impressive to me. Yeah, they won, they covered. But, I mean, if Carolina hands it off to McCaffrey instead of a fullback, Carolina win that game outright? I mean, that to me, that wasn't a good look. And I wasn't stunned that they beat the, the Saints. I, I mean, if there was, you know, fans in the stands i think vegas last week would have been one of them. it was my top play but it would have been a significant bet for me i just you know i thought the atmosphere wouldn't be as good but rewatching it i mean the pumping crowd noise was fine well and you mentioned you know one yard if new england gets one yard and, and cam yeah. newton scores and they went out right over seattle this number is probably seven minus 115 seven and a half something like that they win that game what's this number eight and a half eight, eight? Yeah. something like that so We've got results-based, you know, uh, perception bias here in the market with this line being under seven. And, and I don't think it's right. I think it's wrong. And odds makers generally aren't all that wrong. But I think they're wrong in this spot. And both of us have a consensus opinion here on the New England Patriots. Minus six, minus six and a half. I think it's even good at seven if you wind up reluctantly having to take that. Uh, but try to get the best number that you can here on this game for sure. And You'll get a lot of the best numbers if you listen to ATS Radio, our podcasts, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. And, of course, you can get the highlight videos here on our ATS YouTube page as well. One other one here. I, I guess we might as well talk about this one before we sign off. I know we're running a little bit long here, but I know this is a game that you and I kind of have a little bit of a difference of opinion on. It's the Monday Nighter between Kansas City and Baltimore. No highlight video because Brian Blessing already talked about this game for us on our ATS YouTube page, but Baltimore up to three and a half market wide total up to 54, 54 and a half 
in that range. You and I have a difference of opinion here, and we talked earlier in the show about the difference between betting and handicapping. I'm handicapping, you're betting, and that's primarily our difference of opinion. Yeah, I'm just going to take the number here. It's, I don't think the situation's great for Kansas City and whatnot. I don't have a great outstanding handicap, particularly for this game. But I'll take the hook here, and here's why. I think this number makes a lot of sense. Uh, if it was you know, typical home field advantage, or at least close to it, okay, I, I could certainly see Baltimore's a little bit better than Kansas City, even though they're defending champs. The Chiefs have still won 11 straight games, covered 10 of them, the exception being last week where I thought they were kind of flat and maybe weren't expecting the Chargers to have that type of quarterback play from the rookie. But, uh, okay, Baltimore's a little bit better than than Kansas City. Three and a half makes sense to me. But with the point and a half is pretty much the consensus of what we're giving teams for home field advantage, this line is saying – that Baltimore's at least two points better than Kansas City on a neutral. The fact that it's through the key number of three, probably two and a half points better than Kansas City on a neutral field, and I'm not buying it. So, I mean, they've never lost Kansas City under Mahomes. Here, here's a little bit of a handicap. In the month of September, hell, he's never thrown an interception in the month of September. 28 touchdowns, zero picks. To me, I, I, I'll take Mahomes over Jackson. That's just me personally. And Reed and Harbaugh are two of the best, but right now I'd rather have Andy Reed. So, yeah, sure, give me the three and a half. Now, what I'm looking at here, and, and a lot of people are going to cite last year's game where Kansas City basically did whatever they wanted on offense, got out to a big lead. Baltimore kind of threatened with the late opportunity to cover. But last year in this game between these two teams, Baltimore had a much different back seven than they have now. They basically revamped their back seven with a lot of in-house guys that, you know, are younger players that just kind of graduated up through the system a little bit. I think they're faster. I think they're more athletic. They are missing Tavon Young, who is their slot corner, and they won't have him for the rest of the season. Not a great week to be missing your slot corner, but they did revamp the back seven as a whole, specifically the secondary. So I think they're in better shape here to cover against Kansas City. And also, too, we have not seen a whole lot of vertical passing from Patrick Mahomes to this point. A lot of short passing, get it to guys out in space, let them go ahead and make plays. Harbaugh will make that adjustment. I don't know if the other teams that Kansas City has faced are talented enough or good. I think Baltimore can have success with that. Am I No, because three and a half me. But just to play devil's advocate here a little bit, you know, you see line value with that hook. I see some things I kind of like the matchup with Baltimore. And you know, those are the different schools of thought you can have here, not just in the NFL, but in any sport when you're betting on it. Absolutely. Uh, and those are just two different philosophies. One thing before we sign off, I want to mention, we get that Monday night game, Kansas City Baltimore, best Monday night game of the entire year, in my opinion. We get a great Sunday night matchup, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers. The four o'clock window, you know, with Seattle and Dallas is very intriguing to me. You should get a hell of a, a big TV number. SEC's playing on Saturday for considering what we went through so far in 2020. All right, so obviously an abrupt end here to the September 24th edition of ATS Radio. Lots of issues with Skype today. I did the best I could editing the audio, cobbling everything together to get a podcast version out to you. Uh, The video was messed up, and we did have some audio issues throughout the video as well. So we will not be doing any highlight videos from this edition of the show. 
And obviously, as you can hear here, I'm closing up the show myself. So I'll remind you that you can head on over to bradpowersports.com. Check out that Powers Picks newsletter. Uh, He's off to a very, very good start here in both the NFL and college football, despite losing some of those bets with a lot of closing line value uh, because of COVID postponements. So I encourage you to head on over to bradpowersports.com. Check out what he has to offer and follow him on Twitter at Brad Powers and the number seven. Coming up on our Friday edition of ATS Radio, I'll be giving you my week three picks for the Circus Sports Million 2. I'll probably have three likely picks and a list of leans to pick from, uh, but I will give you my thoughts, my rationale, update the progress in the contest so far, and also give you an update on the Westgate Super Contest, even though we are not in that one for this season. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Apologies for all of the audio issues. They were not on our end. They were out of our control, uh, but hopefully those will be something in the rearview mirror as we keep moving forward here on ATS Radio. But once again, thank you so much for listening, everybody, and I will talk to you again tomorrow.